When you're lost in the darkness, look for the pod. Specifically, the Prestige TV podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, where we're breaking down every new episode of HBO's The Last of Us. On Sunday nights, grab your battery and join Van Lathan and Charles Holmes for an instant reaction to the latest episode. Then head back to the QZ on Tuesdays for a deep dive with Joanna Robinson and Mallory Rubin. From character arcs to video game adaptation choices, story themes to needle drops, we'll parse every inch of this cordyceps-coated universe. Watch out for mouth tendrils and follow along on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly, Ben Salk, and Craig Korlbeck, and we're coming to you here on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show feed between now and the NFL Draft on April 27th, and we are in Indianapolis for the Combine. Psych, no, we're not. We're actually recording this on Wednesday. Uh, we're not in Indianapolis. We psyched you out. So we're going to talk about about the combine and everything going into the combine. Yeah, we got him. So email us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have questions, you can also go to DK's draft board or the ringers draft guide, ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. We got mocks there. We got boards there. We got a lot of stuff coming there. So you, NFL just, list, draft. you just listed our email again. It's nfldraft.theringer.com. That, oh, not yeah, that's the email. Not. That's not, you won't no. find the guide in the email address. <laughs> go. What happens if you type just an email address into a browser bar? We got to investigate this now. I actually don't know what happens. Ring your face football. Just takes you to Google search and then. Not effective. Shame. NFL draft, uh, the ringer, Google, ring of fantasy, whatever. You get it. It's all in the episode description. Anyway, we're going through today. What's at stake in the NFL combine or some call it the combine, including who's going to go number one in the draft, <laughs> among other things. You went, you went right past the, or some call it the combine. Do we want to address this real quick? You explained it to us last year. It was all these disparate, like disparate, I don't know, medical events all around the country. Right. And it's just a bunch of doctors and checkups and waiting rooms. And they're like, what if we combined them? Right. Correct. They, essentially, the, the NFL combined used to be a whole, <laughs> it was like two or three different <laughs> events. And then they're like, hey, let's combine them. So then they called it the NFL combined. And then some, somewhere along the line, people started calling the combine. Bunch of bullshit, in my opinion. It's wow. the NFL combined. Well, I, we really need to make it like in <laughs> finance and finance. We're on Wall Street. If you're like, this is a real thing. If like a 21 year old's interviewing for a job, you have to call it finance. But at some point, this unspoken part finance. of your career, you can just start calling it finance. And the only, it's like they just all do it wrong and it means you're part of the club, but you mm -hmm. can't do it when you first get the job. You can't it's just fancy. call it finance. It's like once you make partner, you start saying finance just naturally. <laughs> so can we do this? And we like, yeah, it's, we're going to the combine. 
I'm very happy to do it here. I feel like if I do it in Indianapolis, people are going to think <laughs> I'm insane. <laughs> no, that means you grind tape, Ben. If the other people don't do it, it's because they don't watch tape. Oh, okay. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I'm just going to bump into like some NFL general manager. Just like bump elbows with Tyler Rose and be like, oh, great combine this year. And he'll Run be like, ah, oh, great combine. Yeah, uh, yeah, he'll know. <laughs> we got to hire one this of the, guy. One of the hey, Howie, did yeah, you know good. that they actually combined <laughs> all, of the, all of the events? And that's why that's what it's called. Anyway, my time's up. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, didn't Howie Roseman come from finance? Like he literally, obviously, he, he did. Get into yeah, he there was you go. a cap guy. All right, so we're going to go over the combine and we're going to talk about the stakes for this year's combine. And we're going to do, as if that conversation wasn't dumb enough, we're going to do something even dumber. <laughs> we're going to rank the stakes for the combine based on actual stakes. So something low stakes, it's like Chuck B for stew meat. High mm. stakes is going to be like, I don't know, filet, tomahawk, wagyu. Yeah, ribeye. So we're going to rank the stakes of each thing, like what's going on at the combine, how important is all this stuff. And we're going to start with just the – it's really dumb, but it, I think it works. We're going to go through the quarterbacks because it seems like this is the big stakes at the combine. It's like who's going to go number one overall? That kind of seems on the table this week. still laughing about the combine thing. It's a really big, <laughs> big episode for homonyms and homophones, man. We're just doing some, some solid third-grade yeah. wordplay yeah, over here. This is so convoluted. We're like, all right, so what is the porterhouse at the combined? <laughs> it's like, are we talking about football? What are we talking about? <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Uh, Solek, kick us off here. Bryce Young, the um, vaguely Ben Solek-sized man from Alabama. Yep. He's getting measured at the combine this week, which I, I, I can't remember quite such extravaganza excitement around a person being measured how tall they are, maybe since Baker. And I'm curious, how oh. big a deal is Bryce Young getting measured? Like, how, what are the stakes? Like, what kind of stake is this for Bryce Young getting measured here? I was, I, listen, if you if you can't remember, man, you are not uh, recalling closely enough the uh, extravagance around the Kyler Murray I know. Uh, weighing oh, process. Yeah. I spent the whole day that Kyler Murray was going to get weighed walking around the convention center trying to run into Kyler Murray to just, like, see... <laughs> If like the, what was going on and how he looked, like I was like this, this was this was anything anybody cared about all week. Uh, Bryce Young is going to be like you say, weighed and he's going to be measured. Uh, for reference, this is Dane Brugler of the Athletic. Of the 301 quarterbacks drafted in the last 25 years, only two were under both six foot tall and 200 pounds. Neither were drafted in the top 100 picks. Uh, <laughs> Bryce Young is very likely to come in under six foot and under 200 pounds. He's currently listed at what, like 5'11", 190? And that's a lie. It's that's always, always yeah. a lie. <laughs> yeah. That's generous. It, it's never real. It's never true. Uh, and so you're looking at a, a, a player who's historically small for a quarterback and unprecedentedly small for a first round quarterback. Now, it's kind of a little bit of a silly conversation because... Okay, Bryce Young comes in at at five eleven and a buck ninety five, which would be like a great day for him. The same exact teams that were uncomfortable drafting him are probably still uncomfortable drafting him, right. and the same teams that were comfortable drafting him are probably still comfortable drafting him. Relative to if he comes in at like five ten, a buck eighty nine, it's gonna be like oh, like it, like they, I don't know how many teams actually exist in that balance. That's something I'm really curious to see if we can find out over the course of these next uh, these next few days here in Indianapolis. But when Young measures in, he will officially like register as, as an outlier player of historic proportions. Not just like, oh, he's a little small. Like This will be a new frontier of early drafted quarterbacks. That 
is going to challenge a lot of teams. It's going to challenge a lot of analytics for uh, uh, staffs and analytics branches of the front offices. It's going to challenge a lot of like, the old head 40 years in the scouting business guys. Like Young is very much like a new frontier of dudes. And if Young is drafted early and is successful in the NFL, it'll change how we view small quarterbacks and it'll change the sort of athletes that go to the position versus if he doesn't get drafted early and he doesn't do well and he falls and he gets injured and so on and so forth, yada, yada, whatever. It's going to be, if, if Young can't do it, like with his level of talent and coming right. from Alabama, then nobody can do it. It's going to be like a hard line. So a lot of stakes wrapped up into this one. I have a question. Is there any chance that he doesn't allow himself to be measured? Is that even possible? Because remember last year with Kenny Pickett, didn't Kenny Pickett refuse to get his hands measured at the Super Bowl? Or was that, the, or sorry, at the Combine? Or was that at the Senior Bowl and then he waited till the Combine? I think it was at the Senior Bowl he didn't measure his hands and then he did end up measuring his hands at the Combine. Right. So this is like <laughs> sort of mandatory at this point. I would assume that he's just going, he's going to get measured. Well, so you can't go to the co- the, the combine and then <laughs> not get measured at that point. It creates more questions than, you know, that all we have to go off of is the Mina Kimes photo. Here's the deal though. The, the, these guys opt out of a lot of things every year and more and more they're opting out of things because it's just going to make them look mm-hmm. bad versus, but they opt out of the drills because they can get hurt. Is he going to be like, yeah, I, I can't get no. measured. It's too much risk. Well, I, I can't remember guys opting out of measurements. So I don't even know if it's, actually something that happens but if he opts out of his measurements i think everyone's <laughs> going to assume he's five nine and like yes. if you're five nine you might as well just be five nine uh and so to me i think like it's uh I, if he doesn't measure i'll be stunned it'd be great drama all right it'd be good television there's no doubt about that <laughs> you get charlie casterly on nfl network saying wild things if bryce young doesn't oh measure yeah um but yeah i expect him to speaking uh, of measurements speaking of kenny pickett's hands bryce young as we just stated Set up to be historically small. How are his hands? Does Bryce Young have pr- appropriately sized hands? His hands are going to be like sm- small for sure. Yeah. Like, why is nobody talking about his hands? Because <laughs> much more important is his height and his weight. That's a proportional deal. Craig, why are you getting so defensive? I'm just saying, everybody freaks out about Kenny Pickett's hands. He's, meanwhile, he's like 6'2, 6'3. This hand is a theme. It. What? what? Wasn't Craig's hands last year about as big as Kenny Pickett's? And now we've got Ben Solak is about Bryce Young's size. I think my hands are bigger than Kenny Pickett's. (laughs) I can't remember. So, but here's the thing. So I guess the way I'd summarize this is we know Bryce Young's small. And if he packs on a little weight and doesn't do the drills, it doesn't matter. We know he's short, 5'10", 5'11", who actually cares. So what we're actually, like the exact measurements coming in, whatever. But big picture, once we have the measurements and we know them, in a league where they really do care about how big you are. And these are a bunch of yes. big people who used to play a big man sport who don't really respect shorter, smaller people than them. This is kind of like a huge stake. This is like a porterhouse on the scale. Like he probably yeah. won't yeah. be the number one pick in the draft because if a team has to trade up, as you just said at the top, so like all these guys with the crazy owners they report to Scott Fitter, the gym for Carolina who has to report to David Tepper and Chris Ballard who has to report to uh, Jim Ursay uh, for the Colts. All these guys, are you trading up to the number one pick? To take basically the smallest person to ever play quarterback. He's Kyler Murray's height with Lamar Jackson's like slenderness. Like he probably isn't going to go number one once this comes out officially. Even if you like him, like you you love Bryce Young's film. I love Bryce Young's film. It's awesome. And you say, okay, we feel comfortable drafting a guy of this size. Well, if you're at like eight and you think six of the seven teams in front of you are never going to draft a guy of this size, then like, why would you trade up? And some of it is, is defraying risk, right? Some of it is saying like, all right, it's a different narrative from the jump. If we trade up to one for Bryce Young, if we trade up to three for Bryce Young, if we trade up to six for Bryce Young, then if we just sit here and take Bryce Young, if Bryce Young costs exactly one pick and then ends up, he's small and he gets banged up and it sucks, 
that's not like job losing territory. It's not great, but it's not job losing territory. If you move up to one and then he's just functionally too small to hang in the NFL and like the rest of the league wasn't going to do this, you're really messed up as a general manager. First, taking the risk on the guy. Secondly, Mm. trading picks to go take the risk on the guy. And so absolutely, like, I don't think Young's going to go one, despite the fact that of the quarterbacks, I think he's the most talented because the, the size thing just means that if you like him and you're willing to take him, you can play the game. You, you, you can play the trade game, play the weight game, and and save some value. And I think general managers would be wise to do that. The other thing that I was going to add to this conversation, and it, it's also related to the other quarterbacks. And so, like you said it, like, this is a little bit of a silly conversation, but the combine itself is silly. Like, let's be honest. This whole <laughs> this whole thing is silly. Um, and what I'm... What I think is going to happen, what I could imagine will happen is these GMs, these decision makers, the coaches, GMs, whoever, they're going to be in the physical presence of these people and everybody's human. And you're going to look at a guy like Anthony Richardson or a guy like Will Levis or even a CJ Stroud, who is not a small person. He's like 6'3", 215. And then compare that to a guy like Bryce Young. And no matter how you feel about him as a player, it's going to be striking to see those two next to those players next to each other. You know what I mean? Like this like you guys said earlier this is a big man's game and that to me could almost be like it's silly but that could be like a determining factor like this guy just looks tiny so you're saying that it's it's even worse that the other quarterbacks in this class are six three and up and there's not like a couple six foot guys six one guys next to Bryce Young it's all six three and up guys so the the contrast is is just as stark as could be and I was actually going to bring this up during the talk too but like the way that Anthony Richardson uh, tests this week if he tests he is going to be, I think, the story of the combine. If Anthony Richardson does all the tests, he runs, he jumps, you know, he he yes. throws, he does all the stuff. Anthony Richardson is going to be the buzzy guy. You know what I mean? Yes. And then there's going to be talk about Anthony Richardson going number one because he physically is just such an mm-hmm. elite athlete. He's such a uh, unique sort of extraordinary athlete at the quarterback position that people are going to be so excited about that. I think Will Levis is another guy. He's probably going to be very impressive athletically, physically. Um, and so combined with the whole Bryce Young measurement, you know, sideshow, mm-hmm. th- those things are going to be like important to, to teams. And, and there's going to be potentially like real movement here among teams because it's stupid, but it happens. Like when these guys get in the physical presence of these players, I think it can like yeah. move the move the needle. There was, there was substantial offshore betting movement today on Anthony Richardson QB one. There we go. Wow. So you mean Anthony Richardson be the first quarterback taken or the first pick? Basically the same thing. First overall pick was, We're was talking the, about movement. the quarterback out of Florida. Who's like the Josh Allen, Cam Newton guy. So right. Anthony Richardson would be like a, like a flank steak or something, right? Kind of an affordable meat, but you're like, man, if you do it right, this thing might actually yeah, be the best right, exactly. You had a good list. marinade. You had a good camp. <laughs> no, it's flank steak. It's like, there's no upside. It's like, you got to get everything right with flank steak just for it to be fine. I feel like even good flank steak. It's like a skirt steak. It's like a skirt steak. If you do it right, I feel it can be like almost better than a ribeye if you do it wrong. I see. Fl- well, you just don't know how to cook flank steaks. What I'm hearing. <laughs> well, wow. that's tough. Wow, it's, that just happened. I'm not sure what steak it is. Come back to me on that. But like, <laughs> what's the whole exercise? Yeah, I don't. I, like, I haven't tried all these we steaks. Did so I'm going to be totally honest. Segment on the freaking thing well, on no, the, the sheet. <laughs> well, we're saying Bryce Young in importance, the size. We're giving it like a nine or ten out of ten, right? We're yeah, giving this. That's a porterhouse. Yes. We're just like Richardson might be like, like I don't know how to do this. I'm not prepared to make this state comparison. I've had. <laughs> it so it the more you think about it, the less it makes sense. So like, we can just keep going. <laughs> also, Hyvitz, when you when you look up all the meats, it says skirt steak and flank steak are extremely similar cuts of of meat. So 
Should you coming really? at me for my flank steak? Oh no! Comp. Should we just do the steak rankings real quick? So like Wagyu Porterhouse is like that's top, that's ten, right? I think ribeye's no. up there. I think a good ribeye is like well, elite. What about like a fillet? Yeah. Where's a fillet? Well, we're doing, no, we're doing the same are thing a, here. A scotch down, I think. But isn't a porterhouse just a fillet and a ribeye connected via bone? Yeah, I where's guess the so. tomahawk? Anthony Richardson is a tomahawk. That's what he is because. It's crazy cool, and also like, you don't know how much some of this is practical, like or right. not, right? Like it'd be very impractical. <laughs> gigantic bone on my plate. Do I need a two hundred dollars steak? Yes. I'm exactly. pretty sure a tomahawk just is a ribeye with the extra five inches of rib bone left. There we go. That's think. true. It's like, do we really need the gold crusted tomahawk with salt bay to come out and just like do the whole thing? Kind of feel like you necessary? do when you see it at the combine. At the combine, you're gonna really combine. want that. So anyway, a, porter is, by, a porterhouse ridiculous. is a combine of filet mignon and ribeyes. <laughs> God. So what, the one caveat, we're recording this Wednesday. I don't know if Anthony Richardson's actually doing any of these drills. I, maybe he will. He because should. He should. If he does, I think DK's right that he'll be the story of the combine. Mm-hmm. The drills for him, I, we're giving him a flank steak. It's like, it's important. It's not essential. It has the potential to be absurdly important because he might test like Cam Newton, but altogether, flank steak. So Will Levis is the other quarterback here who, again, could really shoot up into, like, number one territory here. And I'm, I feel like there's two things here. There's his medical, which, again, is the point of the combine, as Dika said. Like, they put on a nice television show about the events. In reality, the combine was they want to see all these guys' doctor records, and they want to have their doctors poke and prod them. And then they're like, oh, we have 100 people waiting in line for an MRI. We should interview these guys. And then they're like, oh, you're right. here overnight. You want to just run some drills for us? The whole thing is really about the medical stuff. So there's the medical stuff for Will Levis and DK. I feel like Will Levis had a good season in 2021, awful 2022. Well, awful's probably an overstatement. He just he did not improve in 2022, and I, I'd say just wasn't like at his best. But he was dealing with foot, finger, and shoulder injuries for much of the season. So teams are going to want to dig into that, see if there's any you know issue there, um, and that'll be important. But a worse know, supporting cast as well, right? He lost guys like right. Wondale Robinson and a new OC. So there's just a lot of However you look at it, it's either excuses or reasons for why he wasn't as good. Um, but I think teams are going to want to dig into that. And, and included in that is going to be like, why, like teams are just going to ask him straight up, like, why did, why weren't you as good this year? Like what happened? And then how he deals with that kind of question, what he does on the whiteboard, you know, how he responds to, I'm sure what are going to be very difficult questions. Like there's a long history of questions that teams have asked these guys that are just like really absurd. And who knows, like, I guess just looking to gauge your response to maybe offensive questions in a lot of reasons, in a lot of ways. So um, that whole thing is going to be important. And then of course with Stroud, it's going to be the same deal. I don't think Stroud, CJ Stroud is not going to be, he's not going to be the type of guy to wow. I don't think at the combine in this setting necessarily. Like, so like, right. Like he's probably not going to like test well, I would say. Yeah. I don't think Stroud's a big tester. I also like Stroud tends to be like a pretty like type B underspoken guy, which typically like you don't hear people come out of the interviews and be like, wow, this Calm individual really blew me away. Like usually it's like the raw rustis Mumbai guys, which is Will Levis. So is CJ Stroud just going to continue to be like the Colin Robinson of this draft? Like he's just always in the room and everyone's like, oh, you're here. <laughs> like when you're going to be in the we're first not, pick too. Yeah. We're going to go months no. without talking about CJ Stroud. I was, I, I ended up watching, I ended up cross watching a bunch of Stroud this past week. Just some of the other players I was watching. So I was watching like big 10 corners, and like big 10 pass rushers. Stroud's so good. He's yeah. so good. Yeah. I you just have to be responsible with, Knowing like his athletic limitations and stuff. He's a heart he's he's a heartbreaking prospect. I want to love him so much, but you just can't fully get there. Yeah, you ever seen CJ Stroud on his own? It's, it's not for me. So wait, wait, Will Levis, though, I want to get back. So like you were talking about Will Levis's potential about going number one. 
in this draft also depends on him just being in these interviews and doing, you know, football IQ XOs on the whiteboard and stuff. And I'm curious, why do you think that's so important for him with teams? And also, what are the stakes? Like, how important is that in terms of him going number one? Yeah, I think the Levis thing for me is less about uh, X's and O's on the whiteboard. That's certainly there. And the other thing that's important to that is like Levis spoke NFL for the last two years in terms of his college game, right? He was coached by Liam Cohn in 2021, who's from Sean McVay's coaching staff, and then Rich Gangarello in 2022, who's also from the Shanahan tree. So he speaks NFL. So putting that on the board will be nice. But in general, it's not so much the the whiteboard work as it is uh, his demeanor and and his behavior. Uh, Levis, like when, when you ask anybody about Levis right now, the first thing that you hear is like, Oh my gosh, like what, like the way he gutted it out this season, like he had foot injuries literally the whole year. He, uh, every NFLer left his team. Wanda Robinson gone, Luke Fortner gone, Liam Cohen left to the NFL. And like Kentucky was so much worse this year than they were last year, but there was Levis gutting it out, leading the team. And like they're down by 20 against Georgia and he's going out there and he's making tough throws and he's trying to compete. Like there's a, a, a huge and, 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 and vibrant mythology right now around Will Levis in terms of what he is. As vibrant a mythology. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is he like a Norse yeah. God? <laughs> yeah, th- this is, this is what it is. It's what it always is. Is it like the, the, he's a truly unique leader? He like, this guy's one of one. He's got to act that way in interviews. Like if, if Will Levis is going to go earlier than Stroud and Young and Richardson. His superpower, the thing that pushes him over the edge, will be when he sits down with the general manager and sits down with the head coach and shakes those guys' hands and they go, wow, this is the guy. This is the dude. He's going to bring my, my team to the promised land. Like That's the sort of thing that he has to hit on. That's that's what, where his edge is, his superpower is. And so this makes this a really big week. Ton of interviews. You're super tired. Can you be that that really dynamic personality, that really gregarious guy like that. That's that's where Levis's bread is buttered. Tall, vascular, white guy. Superpower. <laughs> vascular. Yeah. After the combine, Ben and DK, would you say mm-hmm. Will Levis is more likely to help or hurt his reputation, his draft stock? I think he's more. I think he's more likely to help. There is like you know, there's only so, uh, so much to gain, and there's a lot to lose. Where if like I think if you if you don't kind of fulfill that expectation, then it's you're kind of in, da- in dangerous territory. But I'd be surprised if he if he fails in that way, right? I I don't anticipate that happening just because he is that guy. Like Levis is a really, really likable dude from like the secondhand experiences that I've, and people who have met him, like what people have told me, like he actually seems earnestly legitimately that way. And so we'll just see. A good you know just a good cut Just a good cut of I think this is like a hanger steak where you're like hanger steak and then you butt into it. And you're, wow, this is actually really good. Yeah, you're like, why yeah. isn't this in stores? Yeah. yeah. I also think he, he might test better than people were expecting. You know, and that could definitely boost him. If he mm-hmm. if he runs like a four five or something like that, like people are gonna be like, oh yeah. shit. <laughs> Can we also touch on the drills real quick? Because I just feel like we always need to mention this. Like the the combine, the drills are just two factor authentication on your phone or verification or whatever. Like they are, <laughs> they already know who's fast and not. Like like when they ask you to be like, oh, is this really you? When you typed in your password, right? Like they know it's you. Like 98%, they're just looking for the two or 3% of the time that you're like a fraud and totally making up, like you're lo- right, getting right. logged in. Overwhelmingly, like the tests that they're putting on television, they're like, okay, DK Metcalf, super fast, look up. Oh, four, okay, DK Metcalf fast. So like the whole, honestly, it's the tails wagging the dog all weekend where they're like, oh my God, like these fast right. guys were fast, but. I So I will say like, like you brought up Metcalf as a name. I'll never forget when Metcalf ran the 40. Okay. Like we knew. <laughs> yes. We, yes, we knew he was fast. Like absolutely. We knew he was fast. He weighed in at 233. I think it was 228 and then ran a 433. That's 
insane. Like, we yeah. were all like, yeah, like, Deacon Mike, he's like big and he's fast. And then he was just bigger than everybody and faster than everybody at the same time. That, like, it is the tail wagging the dog. It is double counting. It is two-factor authentication to a degree. At, at some point, though, it, it it kind of breaks critical mass and it reaches, like, sensation sort right. of, of, of arena. And that really does help. It helps, like, you know, like your third round guys and your late round guys who are track stars who, oh, like, shoot, this guy could be a great special teamer, like, oh, you know, whatever. It helps your developmental guys, your your FCS guys. Like, oh, he's got, like, Christian Watson comes in with a 4-3-4. Like, okay, this guy's a legit NFL athlete. Like, we've got it. Boom. We, we, it is verified. We know. But it does help your top guys, right? Like, everybody knows Anthony Richardson is huge and strong and fast. But if he comes in and, like, there are rumors right now that he's going to weigh in over 240 and then run in the four fours. If he does that, lights out. Good night. Yes. Go home. Like, this is, <laughs> this is sensation territory. So there is still, like, things to be discovered. Like, even the guys we think are big and strong and fast are even bigger and stronger and faster than we realize, and you have to go back and reassess. It feels like it makes you just, like, popular. Simply put, like, if you do a DK Metcalf thing, like, household names start to know your name at the Combine, and that matters. That's It builds yeah. the buzz. It builds the buzz, and that matters to teams because teams are, like, monitoring buzz they're monitoring mock drafts they're looking at things to try and figure out where other teams have these guys ranked where they're going to go and sometimes it turns into like this snowball effect where teams will reach on a guy by like a round because they don't want to let him fall any further they don't know if he'll get to that next pick or whatever that they have the next round um and then just like even though we kind of say it and we know it like implicitly that this is stupid we're double counting like everyone is human i mean Hi, Fitz, you told this story before, but like last year we were sitting at the combine and we were within combine, an eye shot combine. at the combine. We were sitting next to, uh, or, or like at the table next to Mike Tomlin. And we were watching at this bar, the receivers run the forties. Chris, Chris Olave ran a 40 and it was like four, two something. It was like ridiculous. Right. And later we found out that it was like not the right times, but they were doing the timing wrong. Cause the guy was his first day on the job. But regardless, like Hi, Fitz was watching Tomlin's reaction and Tomlin saw Olave run and he was like, Holy fuck. You know, like it's like <laughs> we're, re we're humans and we react to this. And when it's like, you're a, like a 99.9th .9 percentile, like at anything like that is going to have an effect on us as humans, even if it probably shouldn't. So on, on that note, we got an email from Eric. That was Eric, what Eric. player Eric. Eric. What player's gonna get way overdrafted after they test through the roof? Solak, who is that this year? This might be my who's favorite go, question of every who's got, season. Who's got the biggest stakes? Lucas Van Ness, man. I <laughs> forgive me, Lucas. I apologize. It's it was always I don't like it when this is the case, but I just do not understand the hype on Lucas Van Ness whatsoever. He was a is a uh, a redshirt sophomore, six foot five, two seventy five, pass rushing defensive end from the University of Iowa. And you read any scouting report on this guy, and they're like, "Man, power, crazy, explosiveness off the line, unbelievable! What a guy! What a pass rusher!" And then you learn that he has like six and a half sacks this year. And you're <laughs> like, "What?" Like the Iowa defense spent the entire game on the field. The offense never went out because they couldn't keep the ball. How does he only have six and a half sacks? And you watch the film, but he doesn't know what he's doing. He just doesn't, and that's okay. Like it's all right to not know what you're doing yet. He's a right, he's a retrot sophomore, doesn't have a ton of reps, right? Weird developmental year. He he entered school in 2020, COVID year. Like everything's a mess. Like it's totally okay to just not have a pass rush plan, not have play recognition, not have instincts yet. Like he's just still a developing guy. But people are putting him like 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 DJ had him like top ten in his most recent right. mock draft. Daniel Jeremiah, Daniel Jeremiah for people yeah. who don't. I started know doing DJ it. Is. I started saying Daniel Jeremiah before <laughs> you did. I knew I shouldn't have said DJ. Hi, Daniel is Jeremiah. Starting to work. Yes. Right. Well, we have a DK work. on the show. I just wanted yes. to clarify. So DJ Daniel Jeremiah in top ten, 
And you've seen a lot of hype for him to go round one. And a lot of it is because people expect him to absolutely blow up Indy. And and being able to uh, present as a super athletic 260 plus, 270 plus pound defensive end is really nice in a class that right now is defined by Will Anderson, who's going to probably be around 250. This is a smaller defensive end. And then the other big defensive end is Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, who also a bigger guy, but not really known for like a crazy athlete. Van Ness has a chance to be like the most impressive guy in terms of like explosive to score and like weight adjusted 40 and composite. Like, like the, when you weight adjust these metrics, there's a chance that he tests like crazy. That sort of profile, like, oh, super athletic edge, drafted top 10, drafted top 15. Like, that's a nice thought. But you watch the film, and this guy's a year away from being a year away. And so, to me, like, when I think of overdrafted <laughs> players in this weak edge class, like, uh, uh, with right now with what I know, I wouldn't touch Van Ness with a 39-foot bowl. And that's where I'm at. On Van Ness, like, I, th- I feel like people, and this is something that also I think everyone's human. Everyone falls for this at some point. Everyone's expecting him. They look at him, he's like 6'5", 275 very athletic, very strapping young man. And they're like, this is going to be the next Watt brother. This is going to be the next Bosa brother because they look alike, right? Um, my my defense of Van Ness is I think he's a classic like late first round type prospect because of the traits and because of the size and the combination of the two. And also, if you looked at where he was just... The way that he was utilized, he was never even starter at Iowa. And the way that he was utilized, he didn't have a ton of just like pure one-on-one pass rush, pass rush sets. And on those sets, according to PFF, he was actually fourth among all edge players in pressures in just pure pass rush sets. So I think that people are going to be drafting him for the potential, not for the obviously not for like the prior production, but also just because of stereotypes and the way he looks and, and the athleticism. It's like a tri tip steak sandwich. Every time I read that on the menu, I'm like, this sounds great. And then you bite into it and you rip the entire piece of meat out with the first bite. And you're like, oh, this thing is as tough as hell. What an analogy. I had it as a filet because it's like, oh, wow, but like the quality here is incredible. And then after I eat it, I'm like, why well, want more? than what I just had. That's not enough, man. Four ounces. Come on. I need some more substance to I this thought Bryce sizzle. Young was a filet mignon because it was like, this is great, but it's it weighs four ounces. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I also, Jesus. I had filet down for my Bryce Young steak as well. Uh, the filet thing I'm really trying to lean into. But like, DK, everything you just said right there, like, all right, He's got a good build. He's got a good luck. Oh, he's a big end. Didn't get a lot of true pass rush sets, but you can trust the athleticism is exactly what everybody said about your Seahawks drafting LJ Collier at the end of the first round, which is exactly where you just told me to draft Lucas Van Ness. Like, I can't do it with these guys. Zach Allen out of Boston College. Every time. He's like, oh, That's he's fair. big and explosive and he'll figure it out. And like every so often he does. But like unless Lucas Van Ness walks out and runs like Montez sweat numbers, I don't like I don't I, I Give me, give me something I can set my watch to. I can't set my watch to this. I don't have time. I, to I think this that's out. fair. I, I want to say for LJ Collier, he's like he was like twenty five when the Seahawks drafted him. Yeah, that was that's the, the, the thing I was cheating. <laughs> there. Was LJ Collier is was like, like twenty one. There's a rest. difference. Yeah, yeah. So like you mentioned, Ty, uh, you mentioned Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. There's also like mm-hmm. Keon White out of Georgia Tech, and there, there's similar. Your, your guy Daniel Jeremiah had, uh, I believe Tyree Wilson actually being drafted over Will Anderson as the first yes. defensive yeah. end. Uh-huh. In his mock draft this week. And on one hand, Tyree Wilson is huge, like a physically like one of the biggest people Big at, that will play defensive end. He's also an extreme af- I mean, he played inside linebacker at one point. He's just a fast and huge, long arms, pterodactyl, but he's also older. He's like, he didn't really have yeah. a good season at football till he was like 22 years old. And Lucas Van Ness is only 21. So I guess my larger question is we always talk about this in terms of quarterbacks, but how good are you supposed to be at football? 
versus how are you supposed <laughs> to just have a big frame and be a good athlete and fill it out? Because Micah Parsons straight up was a better pass rusher with more sacks and I think more pass rushing snaps in his first season as a rookie with the Cowboys than he ever did at Penn State, where he's like playing different position. Uh, mm -hmm. The Ravens drafted Jason Owe, who's now goes by Adafi Owe. He didn't even have a sack in college. They took him in the first round. But my bigger, like, are you supposed to come out technically, like ideally you're going to be a giant Calvin Johnson-esque athlete and also have all the technical skills. But do you two philosophically, would you rather have someone technically refined who's like a seven out of 10 athletically or a nine out of 10 athlete and you got to teach them to play football. Like, what are you God. looking for? That is the that is the question. I think that's the hardest part of the draft. I'll answer that question with like seven more questions of my own. <laughs> what position does he play? What timeline is my team at? How does he learn? What's his character like? You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of it is. But um, we're going defensive end and we're going like, I don't know, who's we're Arizona Cardinals or Seattle. It was Seattle Seahawks, the DK, Seattle Seahawks, the fifth pick. For the Seahawks, we're like, I think they have a good rotation of rushers. rushers and I think Uchenna Nwosu is like a lovely utility player who like had a great season rushing the passer, but generally is more of a number two. I'd swing high, right? I'd swing big, swing for the fences. I'd want the athletic player. I think that's where well, you want to go. Why are you making a decision based on Uchenna Nwosu, who's like, what, a fifth year guy you signed from a different team who's 26, 27 years? Like, who cares about him? Shouldn't you just be picking a player absent of like who's on the other side of the roster? Because that's where my team's at right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, should the, like, I'm trying to think of a good, a, a good parallel here. Here's a good one. Like, should the Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars, should they draft a slot receiver this year? No, they have Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, who's like technically a slot receiver, but they play him on the outsides. They don't have anybody else to put out there, right? You have to draft relative to your team. You, you do have to know what, what, what the lay of the land is in your own building. And so for like Seattle, where I think that uh, if Seattle lands on like a solid six sack per year guy, then they have that guy in Nchenna Nuosu and like Nuosu had a great season, but I don't think they have a dude who's like terrifying in a one-on-one -on -one situation. I'd rather swing high. I'd rather swing for the fences and see if I could hit on that clear number one, have Nuosu be a great number two and like build it that way. Nuosu is also like a bit of a stand-up linebacker and can drop a little bit. So now I probably want to go a little bit heavier and I want to get more of like a Lucas Van Ness sort of a body type, more of a Tyree Wilson sort of a body type. Whereas if I have Will Anderson and and uh, uh, Uchenna Nuosu on the field at the same time, I'm pretty light on the edges. I'm pretty worried about runs now going to the boundary. So like this, the, all of this is sort of stuff you got to factor in. It's hard in a vacuum to just say like, you're going to prefer the high end athlete or the, or the kind of the middle tier athlete with high end technique. A lot of it is, is dependent on situation. It's dependent on development, it's dependent on position. Like it, it, it's, it's hard to take that out of context, at least for me. It's just playing hard. Yeah. It's just playing hard. Like there is no answer to that question. Like there's no right answer ever. Um, and it's like the other part that's make that makes it even more impossible is like every person, every human being is different in terms of their development. Development is not always linear. They're fit. High fits. You've always talked about it the nature versus nurture, where are they landing? Is it a system where they're just being asked to be the superstar for right away from day one? And sometimes are they the going to have struggle? the same position coach for probably the tenure? Are you going to, are you a stable yeah. enough team like the Seahawks where you think you'll have the same coaches or not? So it's like very difficult to answer that question. It like, like, so like I said, in a vacuum, you just can't do it really. And so every team is different. Every situation is different. Every but human where do being you is lean? different. I'm curious where you two I, lean just philosophically. I generally lean towards the top athletes because you know, it's a, uh, What's what's the name of Dulé Hill's character in Holes? Sam? Oh, yeah, yeah. I can fix that. It's I can fix that syndrome. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> DK's never I, seen Holes. I don't even know what that oh, is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I love Dude, Holes. Far be it from me to cast aspersions at someone for not seeing a movie. But Holes? It's too damn bad. What year was I'm it, tired of digging Holes. It was like 2003 or something. I'm tired of digging, Grandpa. That's too damn bad. Is this a anyway. kid's movie? 
Dude, onions and peaches uh, will make you yeah. cry. Sploosh, You've never man. seen, dude. Oh my Stanley god. Stanley Yelnats teaching zero, zero? how to read. Uh, Gosh, it's embarrassing dude, this, for you. Daniel. Is this a movie that a college student would watch? This is definitely like a big. This was like a generational kids book yeah. that became a great yes. movie with Shia LaBeouf. But like, if you were it's in college PG, when it came so out, no, so no. It's a good book. Oh, <laughs> also, Rick Fox is just randomly in this movie. <laughs> Rick I cried. I don't know who that is. Calvin should watch it though. It's a great film. All right, I can I can fix that syndrome. Yeah, like I I like elite athletes. I like the ceiling because I don't have skin in the game. General managers have skin in the game. They're fired if they're bad. That's why you start moving off the elite athletes sometimes. It's because you'd rather just make the safer pick. And you can blame the coaches for not developing the great guy you drafted. I, I, I'm with Solak though. You shoot for ceiling or floor. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Let's get to, so... Again, combines this week. Players are going to start doing 40-yard dashes soon. I kind of think 40-yard dash is pretty dumb. Uh, no one knows why it's 40 yards. Vince Lombardi did it, and then people just started doing it. Uh, they, <laughs> the only reason they kept doing it is because they just started doing it, and then... They needed something to compare old players to. That's my favorite reason why things exist, is just because they've always been that way. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, what would we compare it to? My thing... Here's the thing. They don't wear pads. They don't have helmets. thing bothers me. Not holding the football. Honestly, the dumbest part, they start from the track position. So guys who've been playing football their whole life, but haven't been track to learn to start in the track <laughs> position, which I think is the yeah. wildest part. Yeah. Uh, and the, I, I get, here's the thing. Can you just have them run 100 yards? And here's the thing. I know what you're going to say. Well, they need to compare it to the 40-yard dash. Mm-hmm. Why don't they just start having them run 100 yards in pads in a football at, like, and then start collecting the data so 20 years from now we can stop doing it. But anyway. Just have them do both. Yeah. Like they can do the 40 and then do yeah. a different event. And then 30 years There's from now we'll idea. transition. <laughs> Yeah, but then they're going to opt out of that test because that's what we do. We opt out of testing when we don't want to do it. 
I, well, if um, you put a helmet on and then you can call them soft for not. But if they opt right, out yeah. of the thing, they're like, oh, well, we're just in shorts. You know, remember when Johnny I, um, football didn't Johnny football do his like pro day and pads and a helmet? Yes. With with rock music blaring. And then you know, <laughs> he was good ball. because of that. Um, gritty. gritty. I, uh, I met a guy who trains draft prospects a couple of months ago. And it's like randomly, like not through work. I was like, what do you do? And he was like, I train draft prospects. And I was like, hey, man. Um, Tell me I stuff. Asked him, yeah. I was like, what percentage of the time that you guys spend on the 40 uh, is spent on like the technique of like starting as opposed to like getting the guys faster? And he was like, oh, a vast majority. He was like, we, he was like, so we easily spend, he said, we spent twice as much time teasing them how to get into the stance and how to move their hands as late as possible. So to get the timing to start as late as possible. He's like, yeah, we spend a majority of time on that. And then like when we're not working on that, then we're like, hey, do you want to be faster? Do you want to be a faster runner? Do you want to actually be fast? Like that's completely secondary. So dumb. They, if you notice, like when you watch the actual technique of these guys, they run with their head down for the first like 10 or 15, 20 yards. Yeah. It's just such a, it's like such a foreign thing for football. No player is coming out of the fucking blocks or coming out of their stance in football with their head like facing the ground. Like that was so so having said that, 40 yard dash is also awesome. So, uh, yes. TK, give me, give me, a, give me like the super bad fastest kid alive award. Who are the two yeah, guys who got to watch the 40 yard dash? He's a freak. Uh, we talked about him on the last show, Devon A. Chain, running back out of Texas A and M. He is he on an SEC field full of uh, amazing athletes, like makes everyone look slow. He is incredibly fast. He is, and I don't even say this lightly. Like he's almost reminiscent of like Tyree Kill fast. I'm not saying he's as fast as Tyree Kill, but he's like in the stratosphere of Tyree Kill fast, wow. and that is saying a lot. I think he's in the stratosphere of Tyree Kill acceleration too. Like right, it's like right. the zero to sixty that blows your mind. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the distinctions they have to make with a lot of these players. Like there have been track players that play in the NFL. A lot of times these guys are like doing USA track plus playing in the NFL. It's happened before, but they're usually like specialists or whatever because they're mainly just fast in a straight line. Like Devon A-Chain is really jitterbug quick in, a sh- in the short area. He can accelerate in the blink of an eye. And that's how he like just an- annihilates pursuit angles, makes guys miss, you know, slaloms through the offensive line and, the- and he can run inside. I love Devon A-Chain. And the, the main problem here is he's like 190 pounds, maybe. And so there's not a lot of guys his size in, in the NFL that, at the running back position. So he would be another sort of outlier, but he is going to be fun as hell to watch at the combine because he's just insanely fast. I don't even know if he's going to run. Like he has so much track, um, like stuff on tape, like teams can see how fast he ran in track. And he's like a, a Olympic level athlete almost in track. Maybe he won't even run the 40. I don't know. Why? Wait, if you're nah. an Olympic, if you're an Olympic, you got to run, run it. If you have a chance to break the record, you got to run it. That's, that's just, that's yeah. law. You think he has that's, a chance to break yeah. the record? Yeah. Yes. I would. Yeah, yeah. I think you wow. run a four two one. Well, wow. I mean, especially if the guy, uh, the guy doing the 40 times had a note, a whole year of training. So maybe it's uh, yeah, maybe <laughs> a little more reliable. Okay. So like if Div, who is in the running, is anyone as fast as Devon chain or is there any other player that you either think could be the second fastest player at the combo or just someone you're watching the most for the 40 yard dash time? Uh, people will say Jalen Hyatt. Uh, Hyatt ran a four, three, one. I want to say it at, at the opening. And so yeah. he's got legit speed. I don't this is think the guy I, with 200 yards and five touchdowns against Bama and has the legs yeah. that are like Kevin Durant wide receiver out of Tennessee. Exactly. I built like a spider. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's got like a chance. Daddy yeah, long legs. Yeah. Built like daddy a long legs, son of a gun. Uh, he's got a chance to run like a, an extremely impressive time for wide receivers. I think low four threes make sense. Uh, I brought up Lucas Van Ness for my like guy who's testing is going to belie his, his NFL draft stock. Uh, Hyatt, like people are talking about Hyatt as wide receiver one. 
Mm-hmm. People are talking about high as a round one player. I cannot get there on his film. Just like this is a fake offense. He ran three routes. This is Corey Coleman stuff, man. Like he ran three routes and he separated on all of them by just being like fast. And that's doesn't great. DK Metcalf still run three routes? Yeah, yes. I think that's the hard part. Is like, is he Corey Coleman or is he like a DK Metcalf guy that has legit like take the top off? That's well, the hard like, part. In the to right answer. situation, couldn't they make that work and he can be very successful? Okay, so nature versus well, nurture lodge. One one to the Metcalf thing. Metcalf's 228 pounds. Metcalf is big, right? High, right. Like if I'm if <laughs> not I'm built a like deep, a spider. Yeah. If I'm <laughs> very different, like yeah. a fat spider, DK Metcalf, like a tarantula. Like the Lord of the Rings spider. Yeah. Yes. Aragog build. The, the, if I'm a defensive <laughs> name, love it. No, 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 no. That Lord of the Rings spider, I don't remember. Aragog is Harry Potter. Jalen. Oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. She loved I knew the if, name. She loved Aragog. She loved Aragog. <laughs> If, wow. a deep, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm watching Jalen Hyatt play and I'm preparing for him, I go, okay, we're just going to push this guy as hard as we can to the line of scrimmage. And then we're just going to forget about him because he can't do anything else now. And like, of course, yes, that's easier said than done. But if you're going to be a legitimate, like deep threat, field stretching threat at the NFL level, you have to be more than fast. You have to be able to get off the line of scrimmage. You have to track the football and you have to win in contested catch situations. And I just don't have proof of concept of that with Hyatt. Like he could be like really good in contested catch, but he very rarely had to play contested catch because all they're doing at Tennessee is placing him four yards behind the line of scrimmage so nobody can press him. And then they're telling him like, he doesn't even like run routes. They just go like run to where they aren't. Just run to space. <laughs> just like go. And like hookers just going to hang back here for a while and just chuck it up to you. And it's backyard football. It, it's it's a sort of offense that is really, really cha- challenging to project to the league. And so Hyatt could run very, very fast. And I think that, you know, running low four threes will be to his benefit. I think we'll hear wide receiver one hype for him. I just think that like, for as much money as Hyatt might make this week, I struggle to get past the film. And I would I would hesitate to take him before a Quentin Johnson out of TCU, a Jack Smith and Jake Bett of Ohio State. I can't get there on him. He's not my wide receiver one, but I do think he is going to go in the first round just because teams are who they are. And to give a little context to what, what Solak was saying, basically Tennessee's offense is there's five guys on the offensive line, a running back and a quarterback. And then the, the four receivers generally are like literally almost standing on the sideline that they like have the widest splits imaginable. And a lot of times they stack them on each other. So they're the defensive players can't get their hands on you. And so it, it, number one, it creates a ton of space for you to run around. And number two, you can't run that offense in the NFL because the hash marks are different in the NFL. I, okay. So with all this said, we're going to be doing a lot of combine stuff this week, but I want each of you to combine, combine, NFL combine. I don't even know what the combine is. It's the combine. Uh, I mispronounce stuff a lot though. So, who is going to be your bigger, who are you guys going to predict as your biggest winner of the combine or a loser? If you want, who's going to either be the Tomahawk, the Wagyu of the combine or like the <laughs> Chuck beef. Or who are we talking about when all this is over? Is it Bryce Young, filet mignon? Cause he's great, but small. Like what are we, what are we talking about at the end of this weekend? We're going to be talking about Richardson as I think the, the Wagyu. I think that like from what I think Richardson might be in for a special week, just in terms of like, really challenging NFL teams to be like, you have to pass on this height, this weight, this speed and error defined by running quarterbacks. Yeah. To me, I think that's, yeah. that, that's going to be like the Wagyu is going to be top one of one. I think the guys that are going to struggle and are going to uh, see some, some stock get into question are some of the wide receivers we haven't talked about, like besides the Jalen Hyatt, uh, like Zay Flowers is going to come in short, small. Uh, mm-hmm. J- Jordan at uh, Zay Fires out of Boston College. Jordan Addison out of USC is going to come in short and small. Jack Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State might come in kind of short, kind of small, and also kind of slow. Uh, and, and he might not just, run. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. He's coming off the hamstring injury, and so it's a um, 
it's not a, a wide receiver class that's going to be defined by top tier athletes. And I think you're going to see that, which means like a Quentin Johnson out of TCU and a Jalen High out of Tennessee, both of the opportunity to kind of really pump up their stock relatively. But even then, like, I don't think they're they're crazy athletes. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the wide receivers take some hits uh, with, with how they perform. I agree. I, I think Richardson's going to be the guy. Um, and yeah, I think Ben's point about the receivers is spot on. There's a lot of small, I've just been saying this, there's a lot of shrimps in this class. It's just small little dudes, little jitterbug like no receivers. They're like 180 pounds, maybe on a good day. I want to throw out one like, and this is not, this is not a sleeper, not a sleeper by any, by any means, but Kayshawn Booty, Booty uh, from LSU. If he runs, he's, he's a bigger, thicker guy. He has a little bit of weight to him. He's a former track star. LSU had a terrible 2022 season, but like coming into the year, a lot of people had him as wide receiver one or up there in terms of like the ballpark. And so he could be another guy that wins just based on the testing alone. So he's another guy to keep in mind. LSU is such a weird team. They're either like the best team in college football or they suck. <laughs> a total dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's Speaking of that, he he originally said he was going to go back. Booty did. Booty. Booty. I don't actually Boutte. know. Exactly. It's Bouty. Mm-hmm. It's just not Booty. All right. It's just not Booty. It's, I'm can't. pretty sure it's Booty, actually. <laughs> I always have been saying Booty, but I, I think that's maybe like spicing it up a little too much. Kayshawn Booty. Anyway. Um, Mm-hmm. He originally said he was going to go back to school, and then I think the quarterback said he was going to return, and then he was like, "All right, I'm leaving. Fuck this." It's <laughs> <laughs> a SpongeBob meme. Like, Peace, I'm out. Fuck the yeah. lemons and bail. <laughs> I have a video of Kayshawn pronouncing his last name. Oh, this is big. Yeah, he says booty. Oh, booty, booty. That's like Jalen. It's not Jalen Waddle. It's Jalen Waddell. Oh yeah, that doesn't. And make his family sense. just gave up. On correcting people. <laughs> it's not spelled like Waddell. No, 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 it's not Waddell. I strongly disagree with the Waddle family. It's, t- <laughs> it's tough when it is also like a word that we know. Not also is when it is yeah, a yeah. word we know. We know it's the word. He's also leaning into it with the whole celebration thing. Like, come on, what are we doing? Right, here? exactly. Yeah, you can't have it both ways. Your cake and eat it too. Get to a couple emails. We talked on our last episode. We mentioned Till I Collapse by Eminem. I don't know why this came up. Mm-hmm. And then Craig <laughs> mentioned that it was Eminem like... Eminem as, as the oh, yeah. musical guest. Yeah, And Craig mentioned correctly that that was like the song to have on your like pregame high school sports playlist. Mm-hmm. And we asked people to email in other songs that, that you had on your high school sports playlists. Thank you in advance. To, like Max, Andrew, Brandon, a bunch of people emailed in. There was like Run This Town, Fireman by Lil Wayne, you know, Forever by Drake Yonkers, Tyler, the creator. Although the one that someone sent in I think Max sent this in. That was like perfect. Remember the name by Fort Minor. It's so good. 10% luck, 20% skill. <laughs> that with Till I Collapse, man, you, you get a bunch of, there's nothing that pumps up like five white JV basketball players more than <laughs> remember the name by Fort Minor. Uh, Dude, that, that song. Also, I think they had one. The NBA playoffs commercials were incredible for that stretch. And I think they had that in one of them. And I think that's probably where the first time I heard it is unbelievable. NBA playoffs always has like a really big song as their intro outro music. You know, they always have like the song of the year as like their their play and play out music. Do you know that was actually Lil Dicky? One of his first jobs when he was with an advertising agency was picking the songs and the clips for those NBA commercials. Oh, really? <laughs> he said there was one for the playoffs and it was like the Spurs passing and he forget what song they put over. But he his job was just to like pick the songs like they they always used to play the the Florida song going down for real. GDFR, I think, is the actual that's going a great song. That, like yeah. weird horn <laughs> part. Yeah, that was always the intro outro of, of NBA playoffs. I 
I want to shout out to one. Elijah emailed it and said before lacrosse games. Yes, I'm from Connecticut. We'd run out and start warm ups. The screams remix of LaRue's going in for the kill. And I just re-listened to it and it sucks. <laughs> going in for the kill. <laughs> Ty emailed us and said, our D3 college basketball team used many men as the anchor of our warm-up playlist because Rick Ross said it's the song you like to have sex to the most. That's cool. <laughs> and now I completely rethink that song and also Brian Robinson like entering last year. Like, the game, he came out to many men. It's weird that Rick Ross wants to have sex to that. Yeah, there's layers there. Getting into the mind of Rick, you know? Who knows what you're going to find? Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, this is from Luke. 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 Long Luke. back and forth about the pilots and the, you know, the flyovers and it led to uh, two animals that have been weaponized by the U.S. Navy and a lie. <laughs> As in animals that perform military operations for the Navy and one that does not. Good God. Okay. I think specific to San Diego. The the mink whales. Minky. Minky. Minky whales. Yeah. Bottlenose yeah. dolphins and California sea lions. Dolphins are okay. really smart. Dolphins, I feel like are... The obvious one here, because yeah, they're just like swimming around in the harbor. Well, we're and... saying we're saying they're really smart, as if like the army explained to them what they needed them to do. Your mission, if you choose to accept yeah, it, they are really smart relative to other animals. I just don't think they clear the bar of like the, the dolphins are the officers <laughs> and the sea lions are the enlisted men. It's still probably easier to work with a smarter animal <laughs> than a dolphin. I do, I do think dolphins are true. I'm just saying that it's an important <laughs> distinction. I don't know, Craig. They, they use pigeons. Pigeons well, are fucking dumb, and they freaking what, use those. The, the Russians were using beluga whales. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> beluga's are, beluga's are awesome. Like the, yeah. <laughs> Top 10 whale. Belugas. You know how like Fast and the Furious started with these guys like racing cars, and Ludacris was like putting nitrous into like Hondas, and then now they're just like hacking into the Department of Defense and going to space? Maybe <laughs> Airbud started being athlete, but now Airbud should be like a spy, like doing like Mission Impossible. Yeah, time it feels like sea lions. They're trying to throw me off with sea lions. What the hell is the Navy doing with a sea lion? Those things last time you did like, mobile. oh, they're trying to throw me off thing. You overthought it. I know, which is why I'm leaning whale. I'm pretty confident sea lions are real. And then minky whales are fake. What is a minky? Can I Google that? What is a minky whale? It's just a type of whale. Whales are already endangered. Are they really going to be using whales for Navy practices? Oh, I, the sea, I'm with DK. I think the sea lions got to be fake. There are a lot of sea lions in San Diego. Sea lions are doing the same shit that the dolphins are doing. They're like patrolling the harbors and shit. I think it's the minky <laughs> whales are fake. Oh, patrolling that makes sense. Oh, because like, oh, wow. Interesting. Like, because there's so many sea lions, maybe like they detect yeah. something like an underwater drone. I'm, They're telling yeah. the sea lions, hey. Look out for the Russians. Look out keep for an eye whoever. Out. Keep an eye out for the Russians, Dolphins. <laughs> well, it's probably San Diego. It's probably Sir, you know, South uh, China Sea. Yeah. Do they have to call I'm him gonna, Sir? Yeah. I'm going to take, I'm going to say the sea lions are the lie just because I want to zag. I'm not convinced by these sea lion arguments. See, that's what I'm thinking, man. A sea lion, although I just looked up how fast can a sea lion swim? 25, 30 miles an hour. Dude, those things are fast. Things They're are very like, maneuverable. The, They're maneuverable what, as shit. Is that like the DK Metcalf? They can turn. They <laughs> yeah, got the three cone like on. DK they got the three cone on lock. They are fast. Um, Again, I, I think we're looking at the wrong things. I don't think the army was like, "Wow, sea lions are fast. Let's <laughs> let's use them militarily." We gotta we gotta militarize these things. I just wanted to see them. how mobile they were because I thought they were just honestly like like <laughs> large. Like no, you're thinking of like dodging enemy gunfire. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would they use whales for? Like migratory. Well, I think it's stuff. just. Uh, Listen, yeah, I don't know. But they're, they've weaponized them. 
No, I think that it's probably migratory. They're weaponizing lasers. Lasers, Craig. Well, I, no, freaking I, laser beams on their head. <laughs> they they deserve a warm meal. Maybe like radar. They just like treat them like big ass submarines. Radar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They use, they're scouts, all right? They're scoping stuff out. They're diving and checking out submarines. I think sea lions. I'm taking sea lions are the lie. Do you think that the military watched Austin Powers and they were like, why aren't we funding this? Yes. <laughs> Honestly, probably. <laughs> no. All right. What is I'm everybody taking, picking? I'm taking sea I'm lions. picking whale. The minky whales are fake. I'm taking sea lions. I if pick sea dolphins, lions. We're going to look so dumb. Solik and I are wrong. DK's right. Minky whales are fake. Yeah. I was like uh, 95% sure that was the, the case. We should. Uh, all military issues. DK, the father, is always right. Dolphins and sea lions <laughs> are used for mine detection and force protection against unauthorized swimmers. Um, Mine detection, like mines in the ocean. Oh, how do whales do that? Could do that. <laughs> whales, why can't ocean. whales do that? Mines whales in the ocean. Get the whales involved. Let the whales be. They've been through enough. What are you? Up- <laughs> <laughs> what are you up to, U.S. Navy? Been through all right. enough. It's all right. All right, that's all we got. All right, thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Solak. Thank you, Kai, for producing this episode. Thank you to all the whales and dolphins for your service. No, no, all the dolphins and the sea lions for your service. And um, whales. Come on. Enjoy enjoy your day off, whales. (laughs) This is where you take some time. You've been around for 20 million years. You can chill. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Fort Minor. Nice. Oh, nice. Remember the name. What are they up to? And, a, and 100% reason to remember the name. <laughs> oh, I was trying to remember who they were. Now I remember. They're the 100% reason to remember the name, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, did you guys know that Fort Minor is, was started by Mike Shinoda, who is better known as the guitarist for Linkin Park? I knew it. I was going to say Linkin Park. They sound like Linkin Park. I did not know there was a Linkin Park guy. Wow. Learn something new every day. Weaponized sea lions and Mike Shinoda was in Linkin Park. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>